This is the CIIS Public Programs Podcast, featuring talks and conversations presented by the Public Programs Department of California Institute of Integral Studies, a nonprofit university in San Francisco. This episode, featuring digital artist Rhonda Holberton and curator CC Moss, was recorded during a live streaming webinar on April 10th, 2020. This conversation explores the intersection of art and technology and ways art in the digital age can provide new pathways for understanding our world and ourselves. To find out more about CIIS and public programs like this one, visit our website, ciis.edu, and connect with us on social media at CIIS Pub Programs. Thank you for listening, and we wish you well. Obviously, we're in a very exceptional moment. Um, and um, I thought that was, uh, there are a couple things with that work. I think that, um, and it's something I've been thinking about recently, like, so obviously we're in a situation where um, we are sort of almost overnight immediately relying on um, different platforms like Zoom, which I know that you spent a lot of time, we've been spending a lot of time on recently. Um, and um, I, I just, yeah, I'm just, I, I'm also been in a similar headspace where I've been kind of revisiting um like past conversations about technology and what they might look like now that we are all physically separate from each other. And one thing I think that's really interesting about that project is it's about energy and it's about sort of a human energy that kind of goes through um, these existing networks. Um, and um, in a way, when I see when um, a lot of the platforms that we're, we're heavily relying on right now, um, I don't think they were meant to be our sole uh, <laughs> a means of sort of human connection. Um, and so I'm just wondering if you think things might develop uh, um, in terms of like how we're energetically attuned through technology, um, uh, because I think a lot of your work is, it, it, yeah, it's about sort of technology in the body, especially the corporal body. Um, but that piece in particular um, is, uh, it, 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 it's, it's sort of envisioning that future. And I just would love to hear you talk more about where you think, think things might go. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great question. Um, I mean, anytime you encounter a roadblock, you find a new path, right? And so I think we're all kind of in this moment where we're thinking about new paths and um, certainly kind of redressing our relationship to technology, right? Because it's, it is the kind of dominant, um, this is the way that we are experiencing most of our social interaction right now. And I think that's that is kind of true in our in our normal uh, nine to five kind of you know um, patterns, but maybe is less evident, right? Because we do have kind of social like interactions either at the workplace or you know maybe we're listening to a, a podcast and we kind of feel connected. But when you remove the possibility uh, of kind of large scale gatherings, you remove the possibility, or like you have to kind of go through multiple hoops, like you and I were talking about earlier you're able to see your friends, but you stand six feet away and you have a mask on and gloves on. It just changes the way that you think about things, right? So this roadblock that we're experiencing right now is creating lots of new paths. And um, so we can talk about that in the art context, right? And I think that, you know, that might be a low hanging fruit and easy, but I do think I want to kind of come back to it and what that means kind of in a, in a broader context. And I think, you know, artists are, are, are experimental and scrappy and we have to do things out of necessity a lot of the time. So uh, I um, I teach and I'm an advisor for my MFA students and we're trying to figure out ways that we can exhibit. And so is every other institution uh, um, doing the same thing. So one of the things that, that is being passed around among institutions is this list of virtual platforms to exhibit work. Um, and specifically, you know, it's interesting because as an academic, um, we're seeing all the platforms, right? So it's like platforms for art historians, platforms for galleries, platforms for this and for the, but they all have, you know, you can read the intent on all of these platforms, right? There's platforms that are being built primarily for sales, right? Commercial like views, which, which try to replicate the gallery experience as closely as possible. So you can kind of zoom in on a work and then see all of the details, right? And then there's other types of platforms that are, are kind of more like conceptual. And I think, you know, we've both seen some of our, our kind of peer groups like developing who have already engaged in like virtual experiences, kind of like, you know, these are the types of things that are easier to exhibit. So they're getting more traction. And those are a little bit more um, experimental. 
uh, right? When you go into VR, it's not really about kind of like, let's see the thing. Do I want to buy it? It's, it's like, well, what does it mean to be virtual? Um, so I think that the, 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 the answer is yes. <laughs> and that we were actually going to be, <laughs> I think we're actually going to be right now kind of like, there's going to be lots of like little ant paths around the roadblock. And I think we're all experimenting with it, but I think we're all redressing a relationship that is unsustainable as it, in its current formation, right? Like there's only so much money that, you know, these service, these kind of data analytic companies can take away, extract out of labor before you're at a, you know, this massively un uneven system. And the current economic crisis, I think is a massive indicator of that, right? So if anything else, we should all appreciate how, what power we have as like bodies, as laborers, because when that goes away, the system literally grinds to a halt. And it's not necessarily that we need the data, right? We don't necessarily need the data. It's easy to make money in virtual environments when, when currency has been digitized, but it's not necessarily the only way, and nor does it even the most logical way, you know, for, for the world to kind of work. And I think we're starting to see the fissures in that. More of it. Yeah, I mean, one book that I've been talking a lot with my students is Platform Capitalism by mm -hmm. Nick Cernick. And like, he's talking about how like most of these, most of the platforms that we rely on, their primary business model is data extraction. So um, here we are, and this is this weird social environment in which all of a sudden we have this roadblock, and then we're relying on all these platforms that are set up to extract data, um, whether it's our biometric data or facial, you know, all of this stuff. Um, and I, I want, I'm just hoping that we have a conversation about the type of public space we want to have online, because I also, one thing I've noticed with a lot of, um, arts institutions is they're just suddenly becoming a channel and like, that's what it is. And okay, we look, let's look at some YouTube videos that we posted eight years ago and you know what I'm saying? Um, and I just hope that institutions sort of work together to rethink the kind of public space and the politics of what public space means online, because they're, I mean, now they're forced to. Um, um, and perhaps before it was just, oh, it's Joe, who's the social media manager, and then we ignore it the rest of the time. But I do think there's a there's an inherent uh, capitalist logic that is at play with a lot of the platforms that we're relying on. And we need to work away from that because the, it, it, the, there's a, an intense problem there. Um, and I hope that maybe some of that play, as you're talking about, um, might move in that direction. Um, I mean, if anything, um, uh, um, I was also, there's a really great article um, by Benjamin Bratton that he just published called um, 18 Lessons of Quarantine Urbanism. And he talks about how um, one thing that has happened after the pandemic is this, um, ex um, it reveals what he calls pre-existing conditions. So everything that was a problem before is now like in, you know, uh, highlighted and bold and there's arrows and you can't ignore it. Um, and so um, I just, I just think platform capitalism is one of those pre-existing conditions and we're seeing it, but this is, I mean, this is across the board on every front right now. Um, but um, yeah, I just hoping that um, artists will um, and, um, and the and art spaces will take it upon themselves to kind of reimagine what the, what these platforms can and should be um, instead of just taking whatever's there, um, which is uh, what is happening right now. Yeah. I, I think that that's a really good point. Um, and I think, you know, artists, historically have been kind of on the forefront of like teasing out media and like what it is and how it works right um i think a lot about so like early photography and its attempts to kind of like some of it was scientific and that produced some really kind of psychedelic wonderful things but a lot of like you know social photography it mimicked painting right and then when when the moving image came around like people would you know would just stand in front of the camera and just stand there like it was a still camera you know like and i kind of kind of feel like we're at that moment where we're just kind of standing in front of whatever this thing is because we don't know <laughs> like what it what it can do right and then pretty soon you know once once we figured out oh you can put sound with a thing and make it feel more impactful or oh you can make a cut in it and you can cut from one scene to another and that means something totally else. like i think we're we're still kind of figuring out what that is in a weird way even though I mean, I guess the internet, you know, in its current state is actually not that, that, you know, it feels like it's been around, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as present, you know, for me growing up. Um, I didn't necessarily, I didn't have social media until my thirties, you know, and I was late coming to it. So 
um, I think that we're, we're still figuring out what it's doing. And I think we've been treating, you know, historically, legally, and also kind of culturally, we've been treating the internet kind of like a, an extended television or something, right? And it's so clearly not, right? And part two of my, my discussion is some of those Instagram 3D scans that I do and talking about this kind of crisis of reality, right? So like networked experiences were supposed to provide this like incredibly democratic experience of the world, right? But instead we see these kind of parallel, like not only does it kind of accentuate difference uh, and inequity, but it also allows kind of difference in inequity to kind of ride on these different channels that are parallel, but don't intersect. And I think that that, that's something that we might be, I don't know if we are running into that as a a limit right now, if that's being exposed, or if we're finding empathy for those that we might not have considered because we ourselves are now kind of finding ourselves in, in situations that are uncomfortable. Um, and uncomfortable is different than, you know, crisis, but I think, you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, we're getting there. <laughs> and I, I, you know, so I think that, you know, there's something to be said for the ability to, to find one another over the network. But when, if it's a, if it's an ad based model, it makes the most sense for the networks to separate us out in, into our dis- like, you know, economic and kind of social groups, because then they can just, you know, feed us things on mass and, and make more money, more eyeballs, right? It's, it's hard to look at things you don't understand. And it's hard to look at things that, you know, contradict certain values you hold or look different from you. And if the, if the kind of media companies are, are able to kind of identify what you like to look at and just feed you more of it, you know, this is a, a conversation that we're going to have over and over again. But I think right now, like as we're stuck in our homes and like only being fed kind of content you know, through, through social media in some ways that though, like I'm starting to notice I'm taking one of my projects right now is just like screen, like taking a sample of like my, my screen experience, um, for like an hour a day. And, and I'm seeing, you know, like, uh, like the, the things, the the kind of patterns that arise are so, so obvious when you're doing something like that versus the scroll. So I think, you know, just spending more time with the thing might also kind of reveal some of the mechanisms, like mechanisms that might work if you're, you have other distractions. But like, you know, again, when that roadblock is in place without the distractions, the the kind of mechanisms are a little, like, it's like, it's like in the theater when you're stand, like sitting far out back, like some things look good or like old movies look great on like, you know, standard definition. But when you put them in HD, you're like, I can see like the set, you know, part or something, right? It's like revealing it's kind of like a, a true nature to us or something. We're like looking at everything through like ultra high definition now. Yeah. And I, I guess one thing I wanted to um I also see it's like a through line in your practice is, is ritual too. Uh, you know, like just thinking about like um, the VR experience that you created with the Riki um, and, um, but then also like next to that, you're thinking about basically how machines see us and then how mm-hmm. we see ourselves through the machines and how those things go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until they're um, not there's that sort of they become porous almost yeah um yeah. so I'm just wondering you know like um yeah I get, I guess I'm just thinking about um how important certain rituals are right now like um I I've been thinking about like how um you know a lot of our the, the social things that I'm getting invited to are like you know um take this dance class with me or like take you know like happy hour that those kinds of things but those are social and now they're being replicated in this in this other space um and I'm just wondering you know as an artist how um you sort of after this moment sort of envisioning how um ritual practices might might kind of uh feed into future projects given that's something that you've 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 dealt with in um um past um with um, previous previous projects you know it's interesting I think um, I think part of the reason I'm interested in code there's a great essay read me run me um, execute me by Inke Arns of performativity of code and so she's kind of talking about code as a set of rituals that get enacted by the computer Um, I think part of what draws me to to kind of like 
ritual of like the like like the body or ritual of like reiki or like kind of sacred space um is this kind of like suspension uh of hmm, like the kind of conjuring magic of technology right and then the, like like okay so so that is fine. Like we we totally believe in this mystical thing that like is is essentially magic to us. We're we're, we're happy to continue scrolling, um, not necessarily knowing what the code is or how it works or how it operates. But then, but then somehow I'm some more skeptical about um, like organized ritual, even though I perform it myself. And so I think one one way, like I mentioned that like my practice the reason that it's kind of centered there is to kind of tease out places of disjunction for myself so if moving forward thinking about the way that we think about kind of maybe ritual of coming together what i think it also happens when you have a break like this um you stop enacting the ritual out of just kind of because it's what you do, right? Like to, to go out and to see a person, to make uh, you know a cocktail hour is is harder to do, right? And I think that we're finding finding ways to make that happen right now. Um, now, do what do I think art is going to do? Oh man, around ritual. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know what, you know, this is a really interesting time for me as an artist, of course, right. To kind of just, you know, and as an artist who engages in this, uh, this, this site, um, I'm watching is what I'm doing right now. And I think, you know, for a long time, I, I was had a very productive art period for like, you know, like five, six years. And I was just like, go, 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 make, make, make. And, and this past year for me, since the, since the index formulations, I've just been watching and thinking and like playing with like certain technologies but i i don't know you know to be taken out of my ritual of making and production and to just stop and really think about what it is that i'm doing like where art is going and this kind of t ties back to some of the those virtual platform discussions like well what is a what does it mean to like um like make so another project that i do is I find Instagram like images of like um, like social um, what are they called influencers. So like these kind of like lifestyle influencers or like Kinfolk magazine or Serial magazine. And I find these images like, oh, I I want to own that. I want that. And then it's just like a sweater or something. I'm like, what is that feeling inside of me? So then I like make a 3D scan of. My, like the sweater that I own that looks exactly like that. And then I build a virtual environment and I recreate the scene. And then I post that to my, my Instagram account. Right. And like, part of that is like a ritual, like of desire and circulation and kind of re re, re representation. Um, but it also then like, I let that Instagram account just be that. And then it went into um, an exhibition at the contemporary Jewish museum. And and people who are seeing that, like, I wonder how much they think, do they think like, like, it, it, like is now that part of, kind of part of my identity, right? Like as, as, a, as a social media interface, like what does that kind of like say about Rhonda, the human, not the artist? Yeah. So that's an, another interesting kind of layer to that project that I've been thinking a lot about too. And I can see the connection to index formulations too, because I think that I also, you know, I love how you talked about, um, the Morton's idea of the hyper object, object too, because in a way, something like index formulations, we have the hyper object of capitalism, but like putting it in lotion form and using, uh, and, and like drawing on this, this sort of ridiculous language to create this product allows you to have um, a way to visualize or kind of create an image around something that seems challenge like out a challenging to make visual or something um mm -hmm. and so i do think there's a way in your in your practices that you're sort of trying to bring these very large um cult tendencies these hyper objects if you will and like kind of bring them onto a kind of more intimate level um yeah. uh, and often through the sort of the body becomes a conduit for those those conversations um so uh, yeah, I just um, and I, but I think going forward, what will 
you know, the regulation of our bodies look like in public space? Um, how um, will that be navigated um, if, you know, if we don't have a vaccine for another year, year and a half, um, and this is our lives? How will our um, platforms change or magnify the problems that are already existent within them? Um, you know, uh, how in many ways um, has this sort of halt um, given us strategies for how to approach climate change in the future um, and navigate that? So I, these are the things that I've been like thinking about. Um, and, and of course, like where, where does sort of art play into those conversations? Um, so yeah a lot to sort of <laughs> but I do think with your practice you are trying to bring these things down so I look forward to seeing how as we navigate this new space um, the connections that might might happen there thank you yeah um, I'm, I'm curious too I mean like I'm both excited about what the future could be right but I'm also terrified right I want to see the future where we're all kind of virtual avatars of ourselves, right? But I'm also terrified based on kind of historical precedent, <laughs> you know, what that, that might look like, right? So um, I, I know that uh, there, we are moving into the Q&A period, so I don't know um, okay. uh, if we want okay. to take a look at those. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so the first question uh, is for Rhonda. I don't know if you saw it. Um, it. It says, have you received energy healing? Yes. So one of the things that I do is also use my art practice as a way to engage in these practices that I'm curious about and believe in. But then the engineer part of myself says no. Uh, so I use art as a backdoor into that. So I received energy healing and I wept, wept afterwards. And I was not expecting that at all. Um, so part of all of these projects too, especially, you know, the ones that engage in these, um, kind of woo woo, uh, and I hate that term, but I think, you know, like it's useful to kind of pit against, you know, I, I, I taught at Stanford and they would, would call the techies, you know, techies and that anybody else was a fuzzy, right? So th that kind of dichotomy kind of exists, <laughs> out, especially in Silicon Valley. Um, for the, the Instagram account where I was three like scanning my objects, um, I talk about being terrified of the future. So what do you do if you you go, you know, you're scared of the future, or worried about the future, you go to see a psychic. So I went to see a psychic, also something that I wouldn't allow myself to do. Um, and I, I originally thought we were going, I was going to, the conversation, I, I told the psychic it was an art thing. She's like, whatever, that's weird, but that's fine. Um, I thought I was going <laughs> to pull from the script and like talk about this kind of like connecting my kind of corporeal body to this, the stars, right? Like it's kind of that attempt to like connect to this like larger hyper object. Instead, we actually went into my body and the psychic pinpointed like manifestations of like health issues that like didn't show up for me until like years later. Um, but part of her assignment for me was to imagine a happy, healthy home. And like, I tried to do it. I could get like my studio or like, you know, like, like oh yeah, that machine and that gets super dialed in. But I couldn't imagine like a home and like the best I could do were these like little vignettes. And I'm like, where are these things coming from? And then I realized like I opened up like a cereal, like, you know, magazine. It was like, or something was on my Instagram. I'm like, oh my God, it's totally coming from Instagram. So even in my like most meditative space where I'm like trying to find my authentic self, like social media is like in my brain and like dictating the kind of visual patterns that my, 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 you know, consciousness is like creating. So, so again, yeah, I've, I've seen, I've, I've done the energy healing and, um, I, I think I was, all, it was also with somebody that I, I feel, uh, an, a healer that I also have a personal connection to. And so I don't know if part of it was just being in the presence of somebody who, whose sole kind of engagement with me was this just gentle and, and, and care, careful, like gentle care and stewardship. Right. I think in a, my day to day, it's like, go, go, go. It's like gears churning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this. And then just to stop and be in this kind of, you know, like I like, like Thai massage, I like getting like beat up, you know, <laughs> like when I'm doing body work and to like have like all of that God, I, it was a way more intense than I, when I, than I thought it would be. I'll just, I'll just leave it there and say that. 
Yeah, and I just sometimes, I mean, um, maybe it's just because, um, you know, Gene Youngblood's Expanded Cinema was just re-released, but like, because his book about Expanded Cinema is not just about like cinema being displayed in different ways. It's really about expanded consciousness, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I do think about, I do think, I'm just curious, like we are evolving with our machines. How is that gonna affect us in terms of our, it has affected our human connection and how will it affect us going forward as we co-evolve? Um, and right. what will our consciousness look like? What does it yeah. look like now? So these are things I think about all the time. Um, and something that your practice has addressed um, uh, from a number of different angles. Um, I, there's some other questions. Should I dig into more can I, questions? Can I respond to that sure. quickly? Because I think that yeah, there's yeah, yeah. this really interesting yeah. anecdote. Um, so one of the developers, I think as we move into VR, right? Like when I'm developing in VR and I don't put like a collision on a wall, like a, like, you know, it's a collider, don't walk through it. And and you can walk through it. Like my stomach turns. Right. And like one of the first times I was, I say this in my artist talk a lot. So if you've heard my talk before, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this story again. (laughs) I think it's important. So one of the first uh, Oculus uh, kits that that came out, the SDK kit, it was like a desktop scene and there was like a pencil on it. And I was like taking notes, like going in and out of VR and like taking notes. And then I reached out for my pencil and my hand just like hit the table. And I realized like, oh, I was reaching for the pencil in the VR desk, you know, like, like we're, I don't get confused about my spatial reality when I'm looking at film. I do when I'm in VR. Um, and I think that, that the way that we kind of like deal with that kind of like reality making and physical kind of like bodily place making in VR is, is very different. And I think we have, especially as we start moving into augmented, reality that's going to be really important that we kind of understand who who's designing the screen and who has the controls over the screen interface and why let's just leave that there yeah and I think yeah yeah no I mean we need to have these we need to talk about the politics of all those spaces because they're deeply political Uh, and um, I think uh, you know like really good engineers and designers are designing some of that stuff out so you don't experience it but like for artists I'm like ooh, that's an interesting feature like let's like engage with that and make that more obvious and so I think you know as artists that's what we could do is like expose and kind of amplify these these signals that I think are trying like otherwise trying to be suppressed so that we can have these like more like these conversations um Wow, I'm looking. I'm looking at some questions. Can you look at the questions too, Rhonda? Yeah. Is, is there anyone that jump on? Yeah. Okay. Um, um, was there one for both? I thought I saw. Okay. Miguel asked for both. So, Cece, how is your identity being shaped by our current situation? I guess it depends on how you define identity. <laughs> I guess you know. I don't. Who um, am I? I don't, what is time? Where are we? What's going on? <laughs> it's Friday, um, right? It is. Yeah, yeah. It's Friday. How long have I been inside? I you know. know. Um, am I, I wearing feel pants? Like, I mean, <laughs> I am wearing pants. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think that. Yeah, I haven't been thinking identity. I've been thinking more about how this is sort of my life socially. Maybe it's because I'm an. I'm a like deep extrovert so this has been kind of challenging <laughs> I'm like, the opposite. Um, but, I'm like uh, oh yeah I could do this for day like this is good <laughs> yeah I'm like so I'm like my calendar is all like oh I guess you know I get to watch a movie with some other people on this platform and it's just it's ridiculous um but yeah I don't know if I've been thinking as much about my I- identity or maybe um more about kind of like my through social connections and then I've also been having a lot of engaged conversations about art um in this in this space um and so that's sort of this that's some of the things that i brought up or a reflection of like and even you know it's interesting to, i think there's another question about platforms um yeah. uh, i had a whole long conversation today with an artist who's like interested in second life um as being a, and i'm like oh yeah second oh yeah second life you know and so i think there's also like people like you said it's sort of like here's this roadblock how are people getting around it and they're like oh this this you know space has existed for a long time why aren't let's sort of revisit it as artists so i do i'm curious to see people are going to sort of look at other things that they are haven't used and you know i don't know 
but I was just like, oh, and it was a younger artist who was like, yeah, Second Life, I think this is it. And I'm like, yeah. yeah you know. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Actually, no, I think I saw yeah, that. So, I think, did Wade post something about, anyway, we'll talk more about that maybe offline. No. Second Life. So I yeah, think I think, you know, this also maybe we'll revisit, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm wondering, so there's certain aspects of what we're doing right now that will likely change right? Um, no matter oh, yeah. what. And then there's other things that I'm hoping we can hold on to, right? And so I think that question about identity in this current situation actually connects to your ideas, what you were saying, and maybe I didn't catch up it because I maybe processed slower, uh, around ritual, right? And so how much of my identity is made up in the ritual of like, oh, I go, I, I do this, and then I go teach, and then I come, you know, and so like when those, all of those kind of rituals are like out the window, which is kind of the joke around what day of the week it, it, is it, I think we all, all are like get a little untethered and like th those questions of like my identity, d does it exist like, you know, Olivia's project, right? Does that, it does that screen, does that window, is that, is that the space that, that I exist through, right? It, is it through the interaction that I, I have an identity or is my identity, you know, am I still, do I still have the same kind of identity when I'm just stuck inside? And I, I think that those are interesting questions to kind of like tease out and more metaphysical probably than, than, than analytical in, in some ways. But I think that that kind of expression of self vis-a-vis -vis the lens, the other and the screen is something that I'm going to continue to return to, but I think ever more so right now. Which is kind of also why I want to just take a pause and just kind of like when I don't understand something, I just like shut down and kind of like just watch. And I think, you know, like I've kind of maybe been in this like slow motion version of that since like 2016. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, I've also one of I love this you uh, came up with that you're talking about how um, what do you want to kind of carry through from this moment as things change. And I've been thinking about that a lot, like the two things that I see um, right now are like solidarity and care are like mm -hmm. really important. So the fact that we are staying inside is an act of solidarity with other people. We are trying mm -hmm. to save each other's lives. So mm -hmm. um, I think that that is something to be reminded of and a beautiful thing that we are all participating in. And the other side of that is care. Like the, the thing that is saving people right now is care. And so um, how, um, in what way this, this, this sort of crisis has illuminated the ways in which we don't have care mm -hmm. at all and, and that and people are incredibly vulnerable um, and um, there is extreme inequality in this country. And like all of these things are just, again, every, every, all the fissures are just, you know, they're, they're really bright. Um, yeah. But uh, I just also, but I do think the thing that like is saving the world right now is care and so like I think that hopefully hopefully going forward um uh that can be the that can be the thing that we sort of center and and, and it, uh, center our our society more around and um I don't know there was an essay by uh, Johanna Hedva um that uh came out last week that was about structures of care and it's something I I shared with all my students and read to them and, uh, you know, in lecture. And I just, it's something that I like, I, I found really deeply moving. Um, and, um, yeah. And I just think about, you know, obviously like we live in a military industrial complex and the bazillions of dollars that have been spent on that. And then, um, uh, right now the people who are actually saving lives are, are, um, uh, are doctors and nurses and that, and, and they and not bomb. Um, so it's just, uh, again, it's just indicative of, of, of some of the, um, uh, in, in some of the bad, some of the issues that we're, we've, we've struggled with, um, and hopefully will change, um, going yeah. forward. I think a lot about that, what you're talking about, like care, and we'll get some more questions, but I, you know, before we move too far away, I think that, um, that idea and that kind of prioritization of, of certain like types of, um, enterprise right and so the the kind of idea of 
like the, the young VC or the kind of entrepreneur and like the new, the new thing, like it's, you know, but like stewardship of the existing infrastructure, like not so much, right? It, we see it in academia and grants, like you get grants for like new research and kind of pushing boundaries, but not to sustain like, you know, like things that need actually like stewardship care and like these types of things. And so I, I wonder if, like when we start thinking about the healthy body and when we're all vulnerable, right? Like, like those, we're not thinking about the, the new, the next, the greatest. We're, you know, thinking about breath and cycle. And I think that that relates back to, to kind of ritual. And, and even, I think, you know, it's interesting. It's kind of funny, but it's also interesting when, when we go into crisis that like, you know, like basically eating and shitting are like the things that kind of go away from the, the stores first. Right. And like, we are these little like flesh bodies that, you know, like very much are, are like need air, food and like, you know, clean and healthy systems in order to survive. And I think, you know, we're, we're all kind of processing that. And I think some, some people's rejection, like, no, I don't need to do that. Like, it's very much like the rejection of the vulnerability and the fear, right? Like I see that I get, you know, I get that as much as it feels like a violent, a violent action. It's also, you know, there's a part of me that wants to care for that kind of space too, and figure out, you know, like, how do we, how do we, I don't know. I, that, that's a maybe more complicated than I'm, I'm willing to go live on, but I'll just leave it there. Yeah, no, I think vulnerability is part of it too, um, because we, I mean, part of capitalism is that we have to plan for the future and everyone, and right now you can't plan for the future. I think, you know, like, uh, the virus has its own timetable. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like we have to just, and I think it's an important lesson. And it's especially with the the huge issue of climate change, um, there that, so I just, I'm hoping that we'll ad adapt new strategies that we need to enact because cl climate change is happening. Um, right. and, and, and we need to, we need to kind of step up to the plate, um, in terms of thinking about all of these structures. Um, so do you want, is there any other questions? Yeah, there's tons. <laughs> we should yeah. get to. Um, uh, okay. So what, uh, is your perspective on more amateur digital or internet art that's popping up now during the shelter in place? I have um, not, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing it or something, but I think that's great. I think anyone should probably start to engage and anyone that wants to. I mean, there's like a rich history of, of net art and you should read Cece's book. <laughs> Although that's probably next level. You can start with like maybe the, the rhizome uh, internet archive, right? So like the history yeah. rhizome of which CC used to be a senior editor. Uh, uh, I would I would point all those who are interested in, in net art to um, the rhizome catalog, uh, the kind of archive of net art. Leave it there or take one of my classes. Come to San Jose State. <laughs> we'll talk <laughs> a lot about that. <laughs> uh, have you been able to find platforms? Uh, Judith asks, uh, I'd love to hear more about art platforms that you found successful in providing an equal non-capital uh, public space for connection. They need to be, I, yeah, it's, um, I, I guess, uh, yeah. They, I think I, people are, most of the things that I'm seeing are relying on existing platforms. Also, it's been a month, so people haven't, it's a little hard to create. So it's like, I'm seeing things, uh, everything's like on Zoom, on Discord, Twitch, um, and Instagram live, pretty much. And I feel like those are the things that I see, hap like, those are the spaces where people are like, let's give a talk, let's do a performance together. Uh, let's have a rave in our bedrooms, you know? Um, and so those are the, those are the primary platforms that I'm seeing used, but I haven't seen artists initiated ones necessarily beyond that. I don't know, R Rhonda, do you have any responses to that or? Um, so, you know, like part of what I teach and like the, the kind of politics of why I teach this stuff is like, so that you can create your own. So like one of our grad students, uh, Don, who, you know, Hanson is, uh, yeah. making a multi, so it's a, it, you know, he has the, he's the, the support of, you know, uh, 
a job where he actually, you know, makes websites for a living, but also of the, the academic institution, right? So is it completely non-capitalist? No, not necessarily. There's other things that allow him to do this, but um, he's creating a, a 3D platform where we can meet online, share artwork, it's procedurally generated, and you have a, like a chat uh, bot that you can, like, you can see physically embodied other people and you can interact on that space. So that's, you know, like he's paying for a server somewhere probably. Um, I think, you know, the most successful non-capital public spaces, and I have to give a shout out also for Tanya, to Tanya Zimbardo, who's been posting this lovely kind of archive, I think coming out of her research around artists using practice of walking, but necessarily if they're walking, you know, like part of their, their practice and also kind of the history of SFAI. So there've been these beautiful pieces uh, that she she's posted on, on Instagram, um, on Instagram. <laughs> so now you can't escape it. But just thinking about like, uh, like Gail White's like reading, like the history of evolution of fish, you know, like in a fish pond or an artist that has a, a gallery, like on the inside of their like coat or these beautiful kind of, um, what was his name? Josh Green, who did the, the um, like would take his tips from his service uh, job for, for a night and then give it to like these little micro grants. And so one of the artists would like reenact their favorite film, like moments from film in their house on like, just like a, you know, a, a crappy camera. And then they would get printed in DVDs and they worked with local DVD, like video houses to like insert the artist like recreation of the scenes and so like you rent et and you get like the scene of like the artist and i'm like forgetting her name it's, it's horrible but i love those kind of like they're they're really light treatments but they're like rely on other systems in uh, in order for you know artists to be able to do that right and so um what are other types of economic models where like we wouldn't have to rely on josh's like service job at like you know a, a you know food industry to kind of subsidize the art? Are there other ways where the, the art could happen, where we have the time and the space and the kind of breath to, to engage in the artwork? Yeah, question. I think that's going to be enormously important question too, given that I think in the next year, we will see a lot of art spaces with brick and mortar uh, presence like closing because they can't afford so we're gonna things are the, the ground is gonna shift i think tremendous and it has in the last month with layoffs and all of these other things so i think um sort of imagining how artists can support one each other how can we exhibit work outside of different structures um how can we share um so I, these are things that i'm also um i just saw the uh, common field uh schedule for their convening at the end of the month and that I can tell that this is going to be the, the matter of the main uh, conversation throughout a lot of those workshops and lectures and stuff. So, um, which is exciting. These are things actually like I, this is something that I've been talking about and thinking about for a long time. So, um, as, as, um, like bizarre and strange and anxiety and, ah, you know, about where institutions are going, like I'm like living for the fact that we're going to think of outside of what already exists. Um, because I think it's a conversation that's long overdue. Um, so yeah. Oh my gosh. There's more questions. Uh, uh, do you want to, oh, Dana is asking, there's been a lot of interesting projects, ideas happening around block art and blockchain and post blockchain distributed systems. Do you have any thoughts about how emerging tech like this or otherwise might serve to transform how we understand value and currency? Also, how value becomes abstracted in large, complex, and emergent systems. I have a lot of thoughts about that. I actually think, you know, the most interesting thing that blockchain should do is revolutionize our voting systems, um, especially since we can't go out into the world. Um, but I, I do think it's a really interesting, like, technology. Currency is already abstracted. We already know that. It's just another abstra abstraction. What I fear is that since capital is aggregating around servers and it takes servers to make <laughs> these blockchains is that we end up with them massively uh, like it, it's kind of like hyperbolizing the hyperbole right like so so that we end up with with kind of more capital happening uh around like aggregating around servers faster um also it is massively expensive energetically to uh, mine cryptocurrency. And we are already <laughs> approaching a, an energy crisis. So 
if we had infinite amount of energy, I would be all for it. If we were not already concentrating capital around servers, I would definitely be way more excited and less weary. But also I'm kind of like an Eeyore. I'm like, I don't know about that thing. You know, like maybe it's great. And I, I probably just need to spend more time with it to see, to see all of the possibilities. Um, yeah. I've well, only seen like blockchain see being yeah. used for like like speculative art purchases and people trying to like gain gain the system. But you know, like I you know maybe I'm just not seeing it. Yeah, but maybe um, where's our? I mean, if we're going into uncertain territory in terms of our economy, like I'm curious to see what might become of the whole Bitcoin conversation because it's still based. Um, yeah, it's still based on kind of a capitalist model. So um, where where could that same concept be used and applied in a way that I don't I mean, I'm just again, it's totally speculative, but like, I'm curious to see what the future of it might be given the sort of unknown territory we're entering totally. in, in terms of, like, you know, global economic class. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I think the most interesting, like, as an abstract, like like the as like kind of like a form i think the most interesting about like blockchain technology isn't like the currency thing right like i, I think like these kind of distributed anonymous unique identifiers is really interesting for lots of different types of, yeah. of platforms and like i'm more interested in thinking about that like and i think maybe that's what the, the you know like what are all the the the, the possibilities of that of that kind of unique individual identifier but like safe Right. And so like if you're thinking about like stewardship and safety and kind of care, like I think that, you know, th 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 there's a possibility there for that to be like a safe space. But what I also see happening with anonymous spaces is maybe not safety and care um, that, in fact, when you remove like identity from like engagement with the world, that it's actually n not produced the best like cultural environments. And that could be, you know, just, you know. That's what that those are those stories get kind of mushroomed out of proportion because they're you know the interesting stories to tell. But you know, I, as somebody who's like pulled back from social media because of some of the kind of toxic discourse and, and the trollism, um, I think I think yeah, I think you know it, it's safe. It's good to be anonymous in certain circumstances, um, but when you're engaging with other humans on a peer-to-peer -peer network, maybe less, maybe less. I just see less care around it. Um, ooh, Jacqueline Gordon asks, hi, I was wondering your thoughts about internet psychotherapy and somatic therapy in our current situation with therapists using it as pre-existing clients and with new clients. I would, I think that there's a lot that well, you can like, okay, so Right now with CC, I because I know CC, I'm wondering how much would happen if I didn't know you. But you know, I'm having a, a very intimate kind of feeling, and there's a lot of things happening over this distributed network, right? And part of that, I'm just pattern matching my experience of CC as a human onto like virtual network. So I'm this idea around like you know developing a relationship purely kind of like through through the digital. I'm very curious about because I actually haven't. That's no, not been something that I've ever experienced. Um, I don't know, Cece, have you had, have you been able to kind of find that no, kind but of? It's a, yeah, it's, but it's also like, I, like I go to this yoga studio in LA and now they have like online Reiki, sort of yeah. similar to your project. And yeah. I'm just like, how does that even work? Like, how does, I mean, I can see how it conceptually works with your artwork, but like, you know, as if you did that weekly or I don't know. So it's just sort of, but also it's like, it just goes back to the question of intimacy, right? Like. Um, we will adapt to this world because we do, um, and um, and I and then our comfort level with like I I I was you know for the last actually like the last few weeks is the most I've ever used FaceTime. I hate FaceTime. I don't want to like look at a screen. It's just like I've always felt it was very invasive, um, but now I've become much more comfortable with it because I'm doing. So it's just I think our the way. Again, it's just we're always kind of in a feedback cycle with the, the the platforms that we use and the technology we use, and I just um, and we will need therapy and somatic therapy and everything to kind of navigate and go forward. 
Um, because I, I also think that a lot of, um, you know, on a personal level, a lot of my friends are like really having a hard time, um, you know, um, in this moment. So, um, um, but yeah, so they need these, that kind of interaction. Um, but I'm also just, um, but maybe at the same time, we'll kind of, um, develop or evolve to feel more comfortable with that. So, um, and I don't know if that's, yeah. That's what, that's what I have you know, to say on that. What it reminds me of too, or, or like, it's like a lot of my work also kind of presses into the spaces with like, what well, can, can we pull this thing through the screen? Does it work if we pull it into yeah. like digital signal? And so like the sense, you know, that I, so another project that I did was like based on like volunteers that work t-shirts and I extracted their sense. So like, do are we losing something by not being able to smell one another like like what are those types of things because those are like massive you know like indicators or like physiological kind of indicators that produce chemicals in our brains and so like if we're having those like intimate feelings without the other chemicals like i'm wondering what sort of imbalances or you know like what that's actually doing i am a very um very interested in that in that question and whether it would be possible so i i, I you know maybe my next project is to like develop a relationship completely online with another human and then seeing you know like I know that sounds trite because like uh, like dating apps and that happens all the time but like with this kind of like with this as a a conceptual conceit kind of from the outset right to just see what happens but yeah so yeah I think that was our last question thank yeah, you thank you thank you Rhonda. thanks for having us thank you to CC yeah thanks for having us Thank you for listening to the CIIS Public Programs Podcast. Our talks and conversations are presented live in San Francisco, California. Podcast production is supervised by Kirsten Van Cleef at CIIS Public Programs. Audio production is supervised by Lyle Barrer at Desired Effect. The CIIS Public Programs team includes Kyle DiMedio, Alex Elliott, Emlyn Guinea, Jason MacArthur, and Patty Fort. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe wherever you find podcasts. Visit our website, ciis.edu, and connect with us on social media at CIIS Pub Programs.